Alright, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Yay! That's Andrew. That's the co-host. Yep. Of Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. Hey, yep, I'm the co-host Andrew. My other co-host is Mary, and we brought the peanut gallery today. Yay! Yay! We have two co-hosts, two special guests oh, no, today. Oh, no, 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 no. They're not co-hosts. They're peanut gallery. Peanut galleries. Don't, don't, don't give Sorry. them class. We're, <gasps> no class? No class. Okay, no class. Classless. <laughs> Classless. <laughs> Podcast where we give you all kinds of information, fill your brain up, watch it explode. How are you doing, Andrew? Not sure at the moment. Okay. Anna? Hi. I'm, I'm doing okay. I've had half a cup of coffee. There's more if you want some. Oh, God, yes. Get yourself a cup. I will. Okay. Izzy? I have a cat on my lap, so I'm doing great. Good. Izzy likes animals. Is anybody aware um, that there is a children's Braille book club? The Children's Braille Book Club started in 1983, and you can subscribe to it. It helps provide children, blind children, um, a new printed Braille book each month. So it is based in Boston, and they have actually received a donation of $150,000 to amazing. provide free Braille books for the blind and the visually impaired. 28% of blind children don't even have access to reading materials. It's nice to know people care. I know. It's really cool. Um, so they do, they take donations, they raise funds, and should you ever know anyone in your life that is visually impaired, you can actually download the Braille al Alphabet, and they have a store if you want to purchase gifts for people. So, Florida golfer, he's caught on camera. Hit his, hit his ball with his club. Isn't that what you do in golf? Absolutely. But normally, you don't retrieve your golf ball from the tail of an alligator. Kyle Downs. Stated that he and his brother were at the Coral Oaks Golf Course in Cape Corral on Sunday. Clearly nobody's using gator repellent. When a ball landed on the gator's tail. He shared the video showing his brother sneaking up on the alligator, grabbing the ball off of its tail, startling the alligator, which darted into the water. To hell with that. I think I'd just go buy new freaking balls. Screw that. Uh, yeah, thank you very much because when I played golf, if it landed over in the weeds by the pond where there were snakes, just no, grab I'm, a damn new ball. Oh, yep, yeah, no, 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 there will be a new ball dropped because I am not going near the snake. Oh, all right. I'm still waiting for my ball to drop. <laughs> <laughs> Can we all agree that 2020 was a pretty bizarre, strange, weird year. I feel like it no. should literally still be like April, honestly. All right. It went by very fast. We think it was pretty strange and bizarre, and let's add a little twist to that one. <laughs> no, we're not. Sheriff's officials in Rainsville, Alabama, say they busted an illegal winery that was operating in a municipal sewage plant because everyone should drink wine from there. I would just like to say, I believe we may have purchased some of this wine in the past. But the real question is, did anybody find any tiny gators in their wine? The county sheriff's office said in a statement that it received an anonymous tip about an alcohol operation. Investigators uncovered what is described as the largest legal winery inside the Rainsville Waste water treatment plant. Hold on, the did you just legal? legal? Illegal. Largest you illegal. Said, you, said, you definitely said legal. So what is wrong with, okay, so they got a tip about an illegal one, they found a legal one, and they're just like, eh, no, throw it out the window, I don't care, you're shut down. Either that or they were like, hey, I think I purchased this from my mother-in-law last week. Exactly. 
I think it's my verbal shorthand, hard at work for me. <clears throat> the agency says that officers seized a lot of illegal alcohol and they arrested Alan Morris Stifle, who is 62. This has your grandfather's name written all over it? No. Grandpa oh, would have yeah. been pissed that he didn't think of this. No. Yes, he would. Yeah, I would have. No, I don't think he would have done it Ill- illegally. Alan is a government employee. He faces a felony charge of the use of official position for personal gain, a misdemeanor charge of unlawful possession of an illegally manufactured alcoholic beverage. He worked for the county for 15 years, and they did suspend him without pay. So it is legal to make limited amounts of wine at home in Alabama, but it is Ill- illegal to have more than 15 gallons, which Dad was definitely over the limit. Dad didn't live in Alabama. No, he lived in Michigan. The photos show multiple fermenting vessels filled with what appears to be more than 100 gallons of red and white, we're just going to call it liquid. Nope. I'm not touching that. I'm not touching that. That is a no for Andrew. I'm definitely going to rethink this whole buying alcohol thing. No. (laughs) I didn't find anything about the fact that he was selling it or if they were just consuming it for personal use. I'm not really sure, but... Who's drinking sewage water? They got to treat it somehow. The alcohol content kills the bacteria. Absolutely. There you go. Yeah, just don't mind the chunk. If, if the alcohol <laughs> that sediment in the bottom, just just swirl the bottle. Okay. Swear that's from the the yeast. <laughs> if the alcohol content kills bacteria, maybe we could use it against coronavirus because apparently weed and breast milk is being studied about you know curing coronavirus right now. I did actually see that this morning. Yes. Did you happen to view any of the pictures? Because yes. I did. Yes. You know what my favorite part about those pictures was? They're all in milk crates. Hell yes. Milk crates. Dad would put little wheels on those milk crates. <laughs> Only if they were removable, because the wheels would get in the way of stacking them properly. True. And don't forget, there would be an Excel spreadsheet involved. Hell yes. He was a professional Excel spreadsheeter. I don't think that's a term. I make my own stuff up. You know that. Shorthand, verbal vomit. You got a national day today? I have been so busy with the rest of this crap. No, I don't. Okay. All right. Well, I do. Okay. You want to hear mine? So last week we did National Fruitcake Day. You don't have to. This week we're doing National Fruitcake Toss Day. Is this where you throw the nasty shit in the trash? This day challenges you to chuck your fruitcake as far as you can. Because many people receive fruitcakes as gifts. Some people eat it. Others re-gift it. Some people just like sneakily throw them away. And some people just openly throw them in the garbage. So, if you want to observe National Fruitcake Tossing Day, you host a fruitcake tossing competition. I would participate in that. You invite your family to join you outside. Apparently it's not an indoor event. Dang. With your respective fruitcakes and take turns chucking them as far as you can. You can make hot cocoa. You can eat pizza. You can even share your celebration on social media with pictures. But the first great fruitcake toss was actually held in Manitou Springs, Colorado in 1996. And each year, contestants compete to see who can chuck their fruitcakes the farthest. And the winner gets all the fruitcakes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that defeats I the purpose. I changed my mind about participating then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think you'd be the winner anyway. True. <laughs> I suck at anything that has to do with athleticism. So my national day yes. is chocolate covered cherry day. <gasps> yeah. Delicious. Pretty mm. self-explanatory. Mm, yummy. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You usually do a little bit more exciting. 
I would like to say. I'm just saying it's delicious. That's all. Yes, they are. You okay. know what else is so. delicious? No, you can actually chocolate get chocolate covered cherry coffee. Oh yeah, it I is. Oh. It is. It is. No, you can delicious. actually get. But it is not chocolate covered cherry coffee day. It is chocolate covered cherry day. Just yeah, throw one in your I coffee. Coffee. I'm waiting for it to finish right. brewing. I mean, I'm you sorry. could make your chocolate covered cherry coffee and then put chocolate covered cherries. On top. With whipped cream. With whipped cream. Yeah. I was just going to say, you, you can know do that with more gonna, than coffee. It's going to say, you know they're not going to float, right? <laughs> it's okay. We'll add more flavor to the coffee. No, but what you do is you, if you put the whipped cream on top and then the chocolate covered cherry and that floats. Till the whipped cream melts. Okay. Or until your daughter comes along with a spoon and eats your whipped cream. Whipped cream is delicious. I don't First of all, eventually she's going to move out too and that won't happen anymore. She yeah. doesn't really put whipped cream on anything anyway. All right. <laughs> is anybody ready for a story? Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Mary, yes. tell us a story. All right. We're going to talk about the man who wouldn't die. Okay, and don't ignore us on this one. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Didn't we cover the man who wouldn't die a couple of weeks ago? No, that was the man who got famous after he died. Yeah. Was, all right, yeah. all right, Mary. Tell us about the man who so would not die. So what you need to know is that the majority, the majority of the reporting that I have in this story actually came from court documents. We needed to know that. Despite the fact that this is something I didn't need to know. No, you did need to know that because this is like a story that you're just going to go, you just made this up, but I can't make this shit up. Okay, but the, 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 the title of the show is telling me something I didn't need to okay. know. Okay. So stop telling us things we need to know. All right. <clears throat> so, All right, Mary. So I height, think that was her point. It's the yeah. heights of the depression. We're in New York City. A lot of stuff seems to happen in New York City. I'm already depressed. There's three, <laughs> three men <laughs> sitting... In a speakeasy, which a speakeasy is a saloon or a nightclub that sells alcoholic beverages illegally. Where it's easy to speak. Because it was the prohibition. It was during prohibition, okay? Okay. Which meant no alcohol. They had little hiding holes. For those of you who don't know what the prohibition is, but to all of the listeners who... Oh, yeah, he would. So... Listen regularly? They already know what the prohibition is. Okay. Some of them might have actually lived through it. Go on. The three men were sitting around a table. They're struggling to make ends meet. Tony Marino was the proprietor of the establishment, which was actually just a derelict little store wedged between an awning shop and a brick wall. The store, his establishment never really seemed to open until very late at night when the doors were unlocked and all kinds of shady characters looking to wet their whistle would enter in. Hold on, wait. Didn't you just say this was like a store? It's an establishment. It's it's a bar. It's like a bar. They called it a derelict store. Because you know bars do really well during the Prohibition. Well, oh, yeah. I, well, well. here was my thought, though. She said it was a derelict store, right? Mm-hmm. It will not at all be suspicious to the officials that the store doesn't open until late at night. Well, well actually, um, interestingly enough, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I believe it's in Wisconsin, but you can't quote me on that. Um, there was a, a bar that stayed open during the Prohibition. Okay. And it succeeded, and it kept its liquor license during the Prohibition because they were selling tonics. Oh, yeah, uh, medicinal tonics. Medicinal tonics. Okay, so, so they got around the law. And Smart. it was booze. Smart. It was alcohol, and they still served the same stuff today. That's kind wow. of cool. Oh, is this the one that you have to have the password? <clears throat> no. So. No, I don't remember what, I saw it on one of the ghost shows. Well, in Milwaukee, <laughs> cool. in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, there is a speakeasy that you have to know the secret knock, know the password in order to get in, even to this day. That wow. seems like something out of, like, 
<clears throat> I'm like, so I know people that have been there. The password changes every day, by the way. So <laughs> that's right. so fun. And people dress up in old-timey clothes to go and, and visit this place. And it's kind of cool, and I would love to go someday. Like I said, it sounds like it is straight out of a mystery, mur- uh, mystery movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay. Right. So Tony Marino is our establishment owner. Unsuccessful. Not all of his customers paid him. Again, unsuccessful. Some of them gave him everything they had in their pockets and the other stuff on a tab then. And when they put them on a tab frequently, they forgot to pay them. Imagine that. And it's not like you can go after them. Because you're doing something illegal. Yep. The biggest offender of not paying his tab was a man by the name of Michael Malloy. He was a very old Irishman. He came to America seeking a better life. But instead, he found himself, along with the rest of the nation, plunged into poverty and homelessness. Here's my question. If Tony's already struggling, why is he letting people run tabs? So Michael Malloy worked as a firefighter before the stock market crash that happened in 1929. At that point in time, he picked up odd jobs, swept alleys, he collected garbage, whatever anybody needed, he would do. After work, at nighttime, he would stagger to the door of Marino's Speakeasy and he would just drink his brains out. Nobody really knew much about Michael Malloy. It didn't even seem that Michael Malloy knew very much about himself. Other than the fact that he had originally come from Ireland, he didn't seem to have any family or friends. He wasn't even really sure how old he was. Most people guessed him to be about 60. Michael didn't really have any apparent trade besides, you know, occasional odd job where he was happy if you just paid him in either cash or alcohol. He didn't really care. He learned he earned the nickname Iron Mike. Plot is conceived over a round of drinks. One afternoon in July of 1932, a couple men sitting around the table. We have Francis Pasqua, who's 24. He is an undertaker. We have Daniel Kreisberg, who is a grocer. And we have Tony Marino. They're sitting around a table in the speakeasy. Raise their glasses. Seal the deal. What deal? You haven't told me about a deal. We're going to get to the deal. Here was their question. This is what they started with. How difficult would it be to push Michael Malloy to drink himself to death? Every morning he showed up requesting... Another morning's morning, if you don't mind. He would drink until he passed out on the floor. For a while, Marino had let Malloy drink on credit, but he wasn't paying his tabs, and business, as Tony Marino said, is bad. This is what he told to the men around the table. Business is bad. Well, if you make the people pay for what you're giving them, business will be better. That is true. That is true, but, you know, we're not going to take the easy way out. We're going the difficult way. So Pasqua says, why don't you take some insurance out on him? said, I can take care of the rest. No one will miss him, and we can forge his identity if we need to. Tony paused. Now, Pasqua knew that Tony had pulled off such a scheme before. The prior year, Tony Marino had befriended a homeless woman. Her name was Mabel Carson. She was an alcoholic. She con- He convinced her to take out a $2,000 life insurance policy, naming him as the beneficiary, and so she did. One frigid night, he force-fed her alcohol until she passed out. He took off her clothes. He doused the sheets and the mattress with water, put the bed beneath an open window. This was in the wintertime. She died. The medical examiner listed the cause of death as bronchial pneumonia, and Marino collected the money and waltzed off. Not quite to the sunset. He didn't have any problems. No one was the wiser. He collected the money. No problems. What an amazing scheme. So no one was like, seems odd that her bed is frozen solid. Nobody. Times were simpler back then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No one now said that happened to get so many questions about why are beds frozen and it's just way too much. Yeah, too much work. Too many questions. Too much exactly. work. Exactly. Why I is your think... window open in the winter? Yeah. So Pasqua suggests he does the same thing to Michael Malloy. Marino nods and says, Yeah, 
He looks all in. He doesn't look like he's got much longer to go anyhow. Stuff he's drinking, it's getting to him. So he and Pasquale, you know, they kind of look over at Daniel for his, you know, approval of this plan. <laughs> Jesus. He's a 29-year-old grocer. He's a father of three. He said he later, he later said he participated for the sake of his family. So he nods and the gang is all in agreement. They set off into motion a macabre chain of events that would eventually earn Michael Malloy cult immortality. So wait a minute. Is this where premeditated murder originated? Oh, no, well, I think possibly. it happened much the, the earlier. Term, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't oh, think about know, looking that up. I know, but I know that it existed long before well, that. Oh, yeah. What so, year is there, Samaria? 1932. Okay. Somebody's right. not listening. No, <laughs> I, I... I frequently don't listen. Okay. I couldn't we recall what, what year this yes. was. So, I'm old. So Pasqua offers to do the legwork. He pays a friend of his... To go over to the insurance agents, they fill out the paperwork. This acquaintance calls himself Nicholas Mellory. For the record, it's a lot easier to get insurance on random people back then, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, nowadays, I couldn't just walk in and be like, hey, so I met this person in the store yesterday. I'd like to take an insurance policy out on them. Again, things were much simpler back then. They were. So Nicholas tells the insurance guy that he's a florist. It takes Pasqua five months to secure Three policies with various insurance. Nothing suspicious about this nope. at all. Nope. Each of these insurance policies offer double indemnity, which double the face value of your insurance policy under certain conditions, such as the result of an accident. I see Michael meeting an accident in the future. So they had two of the policies with Prudential Life and one with Metropolitan Life. Pasqua then recruits Joseph Murphy, who's a bartender who works for Tony Marino, because when Michael's dead, he's going to identify the deceased so they can and claim to be his next of kin. If all goes as planned, Michael and his cohorts would split $3,576, which equivalents to about $70,000 today. So and now they not have to cover the guy's tab. <laughs> and now, now Probably they... not. <laughs> and now they have... If my count is correct, I think five, five people, people involved involved yes. in this because more is so always better. They're planning oh, yeah. on collecting this after Michael Malloy dies, and they figure he's going to die as uneventfully and anonymously as his life was. Clearly, the quote "less is more" wasn't invented. Clearly, so they're now named the Murder Trust. Did they name themselves? The press actually named them after this all came out. Okay. Okay. So. We have Marino and Pasqua. We have the grocer. We now have a petty criminal named John McNally. And we have Edward Tin Ear Smith. Now, Edward did have an artificial ear, but it was made of wax. So I'm not really sure how the tin ear came to be. But now we have, okay, we also have tough Tony Bastone and his sidekick, Joseph Maglioni. So yeah, one, none of this says mob at all. No. Tough Tony and Maglioni. One night in December... 1932, they all gathered at the speakeasy to commence the killing of Michael Malloy. I think my mob name would be my Macaroni. Macaroni. <laughs> the only reason is because it has to end in E. This was easier said than done. To Malloy's undisguised delight, Tony grants him an open-ended tab. And he tells Michael that this is because the other bar's competition forced him to ease the rules. So no sooner did Malloy down a shot than Moreno would refill his glass. Malloy, having been a hard drinker all his life, he just drank and drank and drank. Even though he was drinking, didn't seem like his breathing changed. His skin retained its color. And eventually, by the end of the night, he'd drag a sleeve across his mouth, thank his host for his hospitality, and tell him he'd be back. And by the next day, he was. 
I'm just wondering in my head, at what point do they start adding other illicit Our ingredients snack. to snack. his drink I to speed think, this process along? Uh, I think arsenic would have been Better. nice. Mm. Oh, no. I think arsenic oh, would have no. been nice. Malloy followed the pattern for about three days. He did stop once long enough to eat a complimentary sardine sandwich. Marino and all his accomplices are now at a loss. They're hoping Malloy would choke on his vomit, fall, he'd hit his head, but no. Four days go by, Malloy stumbles into the bar. He's still ready to drink. Because you chose an Irishman. No matter how much free booze passed his lips, he survived. Malloy's body just wasn't given up. He didn't stumble under a truck. He didn't freeze to death in a gutter. He didn't fall into the river. He didn't die of alcohol poisoning. So I do not see this plan going well for Marino. He seems like he's losing money. No matter how bad of a state he was in when he left the bar, came back in the morning, still frustratingly alive. So tough Tony grows impatient. His idea is that they just shoot him in the head. Nothing says mob. <laughs> nothing says mob. Well, you don't get also, the double indemnity either. If also, yeah, I was just going to say, nothing says accident like a bullet in your head. I accidentally shot myself in the face, guys. Whoopsie daisy. But Joseph Murphy, who is actually a former chemist, who is the bartender at Tony's, recommends a more subtle solution. He suggests that we exchange Malloy's whiskey and his gin with shots of wood alcohol. (gasps) Oh, God. So they're going to exchange his liquor with shots of wood alcohol. And if you're not familiar with what wood alcohol is, it's also known as Methanol, it's a non-drinking type of alcohol, which is used to create fuel, solvents, and antifreeze. And it will kill you. It is a colorless liquid. It is volatile. It is flammable. Does it taste like regular alcohol? And it is poisonous for human consumption. Drinks containing just 4% wood alcohol cause blindness. And by 1929, because of prohibition, more than 50,000 people nationwide had died from drinking with alcohol because they couldn't get their hands on regular alcohol. Their idea is they wouldn't just serve him the wood alcohol. They would kind of substitute some of his liquor with a little bit of the wood alcohol because you only need 4%. So Marino thinks this is a great plan. Brilliant. Brilliant. I will give him all of the drinks that he wants. I will let him drink himself to death. I think I've heard those words before. So Murphy brings in 10 cent cans of wood alcohol. He buys them at the nearby paint shop. It's nothing like leaving a trail. Puts it in a brown paper bag, takes him back to the speakeasy. They start serving Malloy shots of cheap whiskey just to get him feeling good. And then they start making the switch. And the gang is at a table and they're watching intently as Malloy down shot after shot after shot. And he keeps asking for more. He's just, he's got no physical signs of this other than his normal inebriation that he displays every night. The New York Evening Post states that he didn't know that what he was drinking was wood alcohol, and what he didn't know apparently also didn't hurt him. Wow. Night after night, again, the scene replays itself with Malloy drinking shots of wood alcohol as fast as they can be poured until the night he falls off his chair into a heap onto the floor without warning. And the gang is sitting around a table, and they all sit real still. And they're quiet because now we just have a body on the floor laying there. So Pasquale kneels by Malloy's body. He feels the neck for a pulse. He lowers his ear to the mouth. Malloy's breathing was really bad. Real bad. Real slow. Very, very labored. Okay, we're on the way. How long is this going to take? So they decide to wait. They all get back around the table and they wait. Break out the deck of cards. And they wait. And they wait. Finally, there's a long, jagged breath, which they're thinking is the death rattle. And Malloy begins to snore. Oh my god! 
My question is, though, he falls on the floor. They think he's dead. Why wouldn't they instantly, like, take his body and try to dispose of it? Because they actually they checked check his breathing. They checked his breathing yeah, and he I was mean, they still could just, breathing. they like, bury him alive. They could just, like... No, no, they no, need the body. They, the they have body the body. It poop. has to be an accident. Dang, man. It has to be an accident. Yeah, they need the body. I'm sorry, but if, if, if you take a body in for the insurance and it it's covered in dirt, nothing says accident like being buried alive. So now Malloy is on the bar floor taking a nap. He wakes about six hours later and goes home. And the guys oh. sitting around the table are like, foiled. Foiled. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that was the word you were using. <laughs> Not for the last time either. I, I believe it. It sounds like this man, okay, when you exercise your muscles, what happens? They become stronger. Yes. This man exercised his liver. A lot. Very well. Yes. Champion. <laughs> this man could have donated lobes of his liver to everyone in New York. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, you know the plot's becoming a little cost prohibitive. The open bar tab. You the don't cans say. Of, the cans of wood alcohol. And the monthly insurance premiums. And they are all adding up. Because the longer he lives, the longer they yeah. have to pay all of this. Uh-huh. Marino, um, he has They're going to need to take out another insurance policy. <laughs> Marino's worrying that his speakeasy is going to go bankrupt. So, hey, Tough Tony says, let's shoot him in the head. Of course, because that's what the mob does. Pasqua has another idea. Malloy was well known for liking seafood. So why not put some oysters in the wood alcohol, soak them, and make them... Make my sandwich. Okay. But this Yummy. time, okay, so this time they're going to use what's called denatured alcohol. Oh, dear God. Because the wood alcohol didn't work, so we're going to use denatured alcohol. Denatured oh, alcohol is actually ethanol. They add stuff to it to make it poisonous, bad tasting, foul smelling, and nauseating to discourage people from drinking it. It's, and it is extremely flammable. All right, so I've had this thought throughout most of this story, but at this point I just feel the need to share. Remember how they froze the woman? Yes. Okay. So why wouldn't they, having already done something similar, okay. why would they not wait until Moore passes out, drag him outside somewhere on the way home, douse his clothes in water, and leave him to freeze to death? Okay, I, 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 that, that's a good question because, you know, they're in a freaking speakeasy, bury, or just take him outside behind the speakeasy. Right, I mean, that's the thing. Soak him in water and let him freeze to death. I think you guys need to hold that thought. Okay. Oh. They did try. They failed. <laughs> we just got there faster than they did. Yeah. So they're going to take oysters. They're going to let them soak for a few days, and then they're going to serve them while Malloy's drinking. All right. Because, you know, oysters, those are cheap. Yeah. And Malloy ate them one by one. He's savoring each bite, you know, because you know, he's really enjoying they all the stuff his host is giving. He washes them down with wood alcohol. The guys are sitting around the table playing pinochle, and they're waiting. And Malloy licks his fingers, takes a shot, and burps. Because mm-hmm. it's good. Mm, I guess. Or it's just something look appealing. So at this point in time, killing Michael Malloy is just about as much about pride as profit at this point in time. <laughs> well, because the profit's gone. Wouldn't you if you were more? Andrew. If you were more. Who's more? Who is more? Isn't his name Michael Moore? Michael no. Malloy. Oh, Malloy. Malloy. Okay, For some reason, I thought his last name it's was okay. Moore. It's okay. Yeah, I'm the only one who faces I told you, I'm old. And a woman. Uh, Go I, on. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, so, Andrew, yeah. you're Malloy. No, I'm not. Just I'm pre- Andrew. Pretend, <laughs> pretend for a minute that you're Malloy. Oh, okay. You know that, that times are hard. Mm-hmm. You know that alcohol is illegal. 
Mm-hmm. You're not suspicious that all of a sudden they're letting you drink for free and they're feeding you for free, including things like oysters? Alcoholics don't ask questions I, like I, that. I'm going to give you the response that I've had this entire time. What the fuck? Things were Times simpler. Were simpler. <laughs> <laughs> people, All right. People didn't have deep no, thoughts. No, there was no there was no deep thought. It was just that, you know, whatever oh, what was presented at face value. What All right. you're nice saying guy. is you belong in All right. time. At this point in time, killing Malloy is just about it's about pride. You know, to how with the payoff. We got so many people involved now, nobody's gonna make anything. <laughs> but damn it, my pride is on the line. So Murphy comes up with the next idea. He lets a tin of sardines rot for a couple days. He mixes in some shrapnel. Oh my god. He layers the concoction between bread pieces and he serves Malloy the sandwich while he's drinking. And they sit at the table because they know that when he eats it, the metal is going to start slashing through his organs. I don't have a firm grasp on how the human body works. Malloy eats the sandwich and asks for another. And he didn't know that it was suspiciously crunchy and metallic. He probably wasn't chewing. He was probably just swallowing it. He's drunk. How does somebody, even if they're drunk, not notice that? I don't know. I even try to chew applesauce, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's you. All right. So the gang, the trust murder gang, the murder trust, calls an emergency conference because now they have a serious problem. They yeah, have they're abs- all out of money, out of booze, out of poison, <laughs> out, out of, of ideas. Um, they them. really don't know what to do with them now. Okay. So Marino recalls his success with Mabel Car- Carlson and suggested that they ice Molloy down and leave him outside overnight. Being January and the weather was frigid, the idea should definitely work. At this point in time in January, the temperature is ranging from between 11 to negative 22 degrees. And I did try to find out what the temperature was exactly, but I couldn't find it. So that evening after Malloy passes out, they put him in the backseat of Pasco's Roadster. They all quietly drive to Crotona Park and they haul the unconscious man out of the car, through the heaps of snow, dump him on a park bench. They strip off his clothes. And they pour water on on his chest and his head. Would have been better to leave the clothes on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not real bright. Have you not figured it out through this whole thing? They're not real bright. We have we have Michael Malloy. He's on a park bench. He's got no clothes on, and he's really wet. He never moves. He never stirs. Next day, Tony Mario Marino shows up at his speakeasy. Gets to his speakeasy the next day. And he finds Malloy's half-frozen body in his basement. Somehow, Malloy had walked the half a mile back, and he persuaded Murphy, whose idea it was, to let him in. When he came to, he complained that he had a wee chill and sat down at the bar to drink. Hold on, wait, was he still naked at this point? He must have found clothes somewhere. I was going to say. I'm a little chilly today. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how did he not notice Has anybody that? seen my clothes? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, was he just so drunk that he didn't realize that he was butt naked in the middle of winter? Very possibly he could have been. It's quite Very quite possibly. Yeah. So February's coming close. They have another insurance payment due. They don't have any money. No shit. John McNally comes up with the next idea. Oh, dear God. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Let's try to guess. Okay. No, no, I'm not guessing anymore. These people are so fucking dumb. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not guessing anymore. If it was us, we'd have had this done two months ago. Andrew. And the why, and the the wise words of a wise man. I'm sure simpler back then. Thank you for calling me wise, though. Yeah, it was a lie. <laughs> Let's run over Michael Malloy with a car. That'll kill him, right? Uh, it's bound to. Nobody no, can survive no. a car. No. 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 At this point, this man is in Superman. Okay. All right. No, he's Terminator. Ten-year Smith 
He's kind of skeptical, but Marino, Pasqua, Murphy, and Kreisberg, they're all intrigued. This is a good idea. Let's do it. Uh-huh. We'll do it. Okay, so now we're going to involve another guy who drives a cab. Oh, dear God. Fine. One more person to pay. We're going to give him we We're going to give him $150 out of the money we don't have. So <clears throat> they all get into Green's cab. They have a drunken Malloy. He's on the floor of the cab. Green drives a few blocks, and he stops. Bastone and Murphy, they drag Malloy down the road. Okay, we all got this in our head. Drag this drunk, passed out man down the road. They're holding him up, crucifixion style, by his outstretched arms. So one here, one here. Green guns his engine. He's driving the cab, he green guns his engine. Everybody braces. Hits black ice, swerves into a building. All of a sudden, <laughs> out of the corner of his eye, Maglioni sees a quick flash of light. Stop, he yells. And the cab lurches to a halt. And they determine it was a woman turning on the light in her room. So he prepares for another go. Guns his engine. And he goes. And Malloy managed to stumble out of the way. Not once, but twice. So at the third attempt, Green races towards Malloy at 50 miles an hour. Maglioni's here, because I can't watch it. So, you know, his fingers are, like, over his eyes. Which is funny, because Mary actually just put her hand over her face like it was her. Green says, with every second, Malloy looms larger and larger through my windshield. Two thuds, one loud, one soft. Body hit the hood and then dropped to the ground. And for good measure, they run back him over. Backed over him. Mm-hmm. Green backs over him. Gang is, con- Gang is confident. Malloy's dead. But a car's coming, so they leave the scene. Which is Star! not a well thought out plan because they did not confirm the death of the body. Oh, dear God. All right. He's got a wee bump on his head now. I'm starting to believe this guy never really died. The next day, Joseph Murphy, who had been actually cast as Nicholas Mellaroy's brother, it's his job to call the hospitals in the morgues to find his his missing sibling. But after all his phone calls, nobody had any information, and nor were there any reports of a fatal accident in the newspapers. No, the guy crawled over to the gutter, took a nap, and then he'll be back. Five. Check the speakeasy. Okay, so five days later, the guys are sitting around the table because we need to collect on this insurance. Malloy's out of the picture. So Pasqua comes up with a plot to kill another homeless man to pass him off as the body so oh, they can collect on the insurance. Yeah, it worked well the first time. No. <laughs> so they're sitting around the table. They're making this plot. It only took us four months the first they, time around. Turns they, out this guy is also They have to find world. another homeless guy they can kill off and pass him off as Nicholas Melroy's brother. But the door to the speakeasy swings open, and in limps a battered, bandaged Michael Malloy, who's looking for a drink. But he had a story to tell. Oh, I'm sure he did. (laughs) He couldn't remember a lot of it. But he recalls the taste of whiskey that he was drinking. He recalls the cold slap of the night air. And he recalls the glare of rushing lights. And then nothing. And the next thing he knew, he woke up in a warm bed at Fordham Hospital. He's got a fractured skull and a dislocated shoulder. But he knew his friends were missing him and worried about him, so he got right back to them as soon as he could. (laughs) February's insurance premium is due. Now they're considering hiring a professional hitman. (laughs) That's like With the money they don't have. Exactly. (laughs) That's way out of the price range. Can we give you an IOU? In exchange for him killing that guy, he gets... To kill one of them as well. So at this point, they do try running over another drunk so they can cash in on the insurance policies, but they didn't succeed there either. And my question is, when do you freaking just give up? Exactly. When do you just walk away? 
like you said, it's more, it, it it's becomes about pride. It is. It's totally about pride. I, I have to prove really, I can kill a man. These guys really suck at killing people, is basically what I'm hearing. Yeah. The next attempt would actually be their last attempt. They, they rent finally a, got and they're out. unsuccessful in this They rent a room well. in a tenement building under his fix, fictitious name, Nicholas Mellaroy. They get him drunk. They take him home to his room. They put a the end of a rubber tube from a gaslight into his mouth they wrap a towel around his head and they poison him with carbon monoxide and he dies they then immediately bury him immediately bury him in Ferncliff cemetery so they now have involved a doctor who is a friend of pasqua's he files a phony death certificate so they can collect on the insurance <sighs> why didn't they just do that to begin with good question would have been so much easier and they put pneumonia on the death certificate so the gang goes to metropolitan life insurance where they only receive eight hundred dollars <laughs> so basically there's Hold on, wait, there's two more to... there's two more policies. Hey, there's two more policies at the Prudential office. So Pasqua walks in because he's the brother of Nicholas Malaroy, and he goes in to collect the money from the other two policies, but the agent says, Hey, when can I see the body? To legitimize the claim, Prudential's insurance agent wanna see the body. Uh he's already been buried. Pasqua says the body's already been buried. The insurance company gets a little suspicious and they call the authorities. In May of 1933, they exhumed his body. The death certificate said he died from pneumonia, but the autopsy proved that he had actually died from carbon monoxide poisoning. Right. So Green, who's not happy because they got $800 that they split amongst, I don't know, what do they got, 45 conspirators now? <laughs> Something like that. 10. 10, they each get 80 bucks. <laughs> He's not happy with his share, so he starts talking. They also discover about the homeless woman who died suspiciously and the fact that Marina was the sole beneficiary of her insurance. Hold on, wait. She was homeless, but she died in a bed, in a house. Nobody ever questioned it. Nobody, Nobody ever questioned that. it. In the meantime, mm -hmm. Tough Tony gets shot dead, and they charge Joseph Maglioni with his murder. Well, that's because they're part of the mafia, but go on. Before long, there is actually enough evidence to arrest the remaining murder trust. Frank Pasqua, Tony Marino, Daniel Kreisberg, and Joseph Murphy. They all appeared at the Bronx County Courthouse. First, they tried to plead insanity, and when that didn't work, they just tried to implicate each other. <laughs> They're all insane. Now, when that doesn't work, they just accuse Bastone, who's dead, of everything. It doesn't work. In June and July of 1934, Pasqua, Marino, Kreisberg, and Murphy are actually executed in Old Sparky. It's Sing Sing Prison. Old Sparky. Yeah. Old Sparky. This is the electric chair. It needs oh. to be said that Old Sparky was a little bit more efficient than this group of men because it only took one try for each of them. Yeah, Old Sparky is what it they called the say. electric chair at Sing Sing. Harry Green was the only member of the murder trust to escape execution, and he just went to prison instead. So Michael Malloy is not only known for being the most stubborn murder victim, his murder case is actually the first to be investigated by the New York City Medical Examiner's Office. Here's the catch on all of this. If the undertaker, instead of spending $22 to bury Malloy, had embalmed him or cremated him, they never would have figured it out. So because he was cheap, because burying at that point in time was cheaper than cremation, he was cheap, they all got caught. And my question is, if they had gone free and not gotten caught, would they have done it again? Yes. Yes. Oh God, yeah. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. No, the story I mean, of the man who would not die. Dang. That was a that good one. Insane. I know, and the insane good. thing is, is like almost everything came from court records. 
from That's the court trial. Amazing. I know because I'm reading it, going, "This can't be real." <laughs> no, nobody Turns chews up a shrapnel sandwich. What happens when a Looney Tunes character tries to kill another? <laughs> yeah, it was. Wait, the story of Wiley Coyote. Yeah, it was oh crazy. Man. It was. <laughs> it's, it's a crazy ride. I was gonna say, what are we doing tonight, Pinky? I know, right? It's a crazy ride. Just Trying absolutely to murder crazy. Malone. The same thing we do every night. What are we doing tonight, Brian? <laughs> same thing we do every night, Pinky. Die to take over the world. <laughs> or in this case, the murder Malloy. Pinky and the brain. One is a genius, the other's the insane. They're laboratory mice. Their genes have been spliced. They're Pinky. They're Pinky and the brain. Brain, 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 brain. On that note, yes, yes. Ignore the just spontaneous singing that just went on. She's been waiting for me to start spontaneously singing since we started this. Oh, I have. I absolutely have. And guess what? He did. She finally got her wish. You're welcome. We welcome suggestions. We welcome your ideas, your comments, anything. We're just here for entertainment value, yours and ours. Yeah. Yeah, mostly I'm entertained by the scrap, so. Thanks to all those who stopped by and lent us an ear. We hope you enjoyed our story today. You can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know or at TMSIDNTK at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at TMSIDNTK. <laughs> That's the initials for the title. If you enjoyed your short stop with us, please feel free to follow the podcast and leave us a rating and review. Anchor sponsors our podcast, so you can always find us on Anchor and you can always find us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. They host us. They don't sponsor us. We don't have a sponsor. You're right. You can find us on Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Andrew and I co-host this together. Typically. And Sometimes. We're, we're always dope. appreciative for our peanut gallery. <laughs> <laughs> so final thought till next time, Andrew. Stop rolling your eyes out loud. <laughs> <laughs> till next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.